Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958. 931-243-3958. Or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I'd like to say it's the background noise, but it it's actually the foreground. You you take the sound of a 35 millimeter projector when you first fire it up before you start playing the reel and you just listen to that motor hum and you combine that with the tubes from a 1970s TV and you get this staticky rumble hum. And that's how they created the sound of a lightsaber. And Darth Vader faces Obi-Wan Kenobi and those two lightsabers are humming And the background noise is the statement that Vader makes. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. I am the master now. And as a kid watching that Star Wars movie, you think, how arrogant is this guy? What a fool he has to be to think that he's outgrown and and, and has more wisdom and even more experience than the legendary Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and there's lots of times when, when people think that, you know, hey, I've arrived, and there's a balance between that. You know, I remember sometimes I taught the young guys at church, you know, some a few wrestling moves, and I remember being at a camp, and I was sitting on the edge of a wrestling mat, and we were letting the guys wrestle, and this kid who'd taken some martial arts classes, and I don't know if he was into some kind of weird form of kung fu or quick draw McGraw martial arts, take your dough kind of thing, and, and he kept saying, come on, old man. Come on, old man, it's your turn. Come on, old man, get out of here. And he was doing a good job wrestling with the other boys, but he kept calling me an old man. I was in my 30s. And this 16-year-old or 17-year-old saw me as an old man. He said, come on, old man, it's time for you to get yours. 
I looked at MacArthur Sanders and said, if this kid's not asleep in 30 seconds, I'll pack my stuff and get on the van and drive home. And, and it ended a little quicker than 30 seconds. And this kid looks at me with dazed, bedazzled eyes. And I said, listen, son, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. Now, there, there's a point where you can't be the guy that is like Darth Vader and full of hubris and arrogance and says, you know, hey, I've got this accomplishment or I've got that accomplishment and I'm the master now. I mean, even a good martial artist will tell you that when he gets his black belt, he is beginning to learn. The, the, the black belt is, is when you have enough skill sets and when you have enough knowledge to really start perfecting your art. It doesn't mean you've perfected your art. At least that's what the people who have black belts tell me. But the opposite side of that is, is when are we enough? When is it okay to say, hey, I'm adequate? When is it okay to say, you know, I'm complete? You know, you think about new guys, you think about rookies, you think about beginners, you think about apprentices, you think about in the climbing world, we call those guys that don't climb very well, we call them gumbies. When, you know, when, when do you quit being a rookie? When do you quit being a gumby? When do you quit being, being a new guy? Uh, we were sitting around uh, at a meal table and, and got to telling new guy stories. And, of course, when you become a new guy uh, on the SWAT team, then, you know, you get to carry the tool pack. Tool pack has this large, is this large back packet. It has a, a, a sledgehammer. It has a, a hooligan tool and it has a pair of bolt cutters. And we had some new guys on the team, and, and we had locked down this house. This guy had shot his girlfriend, and, and we had set up a perimeter, and I was sitting on the, the armored truck, and I was shining spotlights in the window. And uh, we'd waited the guy out, you know, time talking, tear gas, and, you know, we'd, we'd put a little gas in the place. And, and the call was made that, you know, maybe he's using his air conditioning unit to, to flush some of the gas out. So it's time to cut his power off. It's, it's time to make sure that he can't run his air, can't run his fridge. And so the, the order came out over the radio. Okay, we have uh, a green light. We have permission to cut the power. And from the back of this house, there's this eruption of blue flames and sparks. And yes, this new guy, this rookie SWAT cop who was carrying the tool pack, pulled out this large pair of bolt cutters and literally cut the power. Now, when you cut the power in a house, you're supposed to walk up to the meter and grab in a certain position and just pull that thing and it kind of unplugs. But what this young man had heard was cut the power and he did. He cut the power and, and if those bolt cutters had not had fiberglass handles. He would have been a smoking hole in the ground. We got called out late one night and uh, th they told this young guy and he was he was a huge dude country strong raw boned and so we're going to try to make contact it was a domestic deal the, the wife and the children had gotten out we're trying to make contact with the guy in the house and and i heard the traffic on the radio it was go up to the front door and knock on the door with the shield now what that's supposed to mean is while using the shield you approach the front door and you knock on the door. What this young man heard was knock on the front door with the shield. And so he approaches this house holding this shield in, in both his hands and his uh, cover man was behind him. And he takes this ballistic shield and he rams it into this hardwood door with one of those oval shaped glasses and the whole thing splintered and shattered. And the door was reduced to spindles and toothpicks. And he literally knocked on the door with the shield and, and all of us have made new guy mistakes 
you, you make new guy mistakes climbing. You make new guys mistakes in construction. I remember when I was trying to figure out girls and dating and some of the fiascos that happened when I was trying to impress girls. You know, uh, the, the difference between cool and fool is one letter. And those two letters aren't very far apart in, in the alphabet. And, and so we were telling these, these stories and, and these weren't the stories of, of people who'd said, hey, I've arrived and I'm the master. These were guys telling stories about some of the goofy things they did when, when they were rookie cops. And, and, and Bob DeNoon was talking about when he first joined the SWAT team. And, and Bob is a friend of mine and, and one of the men I respect. I, I can't tell you the amount of respect I have for him as a person and a, as a professional and as an operator. And, and, and all the dudes on the team, you know, they're the real deal. But Bob is the consummate professional, and, and he's one of those guys that, you know, if it involves tactics, uh, you better listen to Bob. And Bob, you know, thinks about safety and the team safety and professionalism. And I don't know how many times, you know, he'll, he'll be at training and, and there'll be guys that we're teaching how to clear buildings and Bob will go, hey, I'm still not very good at this. No, no, Bob's excellent at this, but he's humble enough to say he still has to practice and he still has to learn. But he was talking about his his time when he first joined the team. Now, when you first join the SWAT team, you go through a period of evaluation. You go through a two-week in-house school. And during that time, you're basically a pledge in a social club. And so they would come to training, and the first thing they had to do in training was disassemble their weapons and put their weapons back together. And, and the senior guys on the team would, would take their weapons apart and put all their weapons. And so you got four new guys. And each of those new guys has three weapons, a rifle, a pistol, and a shotgun. And they take all those guns apart and dump them in a box, dump it out on the floor in front of them, and, and, and tell them you've got so many minutes to put these things back together. Well, these guys were doing this and practicing putting their weapons together on their off time. It, and, and Bob said he got a call one night, and uh, Charles, one of the new guys on the team, uh, with Bob was said, Hey, look, I, I've got a problem with my weapon. I've been practicing taking it apart. And Bob said, I could hear noises in the background. And he said, whatever you're doing with that weapon, it should not sound like you're in a blacksmith shop. I'll come over and, and help you clear this thing out. And, and we were talking about, you know, the, just the dumb, silly stuff that happened when you're a new guy on the team. And, and then Bob began to say, but we were on the team and we were on the team for two years. And they called us the new guys. And, and in fact, the, the name that they had for, for Bob and, and his crew when they were the new guys was not just the new guys. It was the new guys with the expletive used as a participle. And, and so they were the new guys. And it didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter where they were. They were the new guys. Hey, you new guys, go do this. Hey, you new guys, go do that. Well, Bob said that at some point he sat down with the other quote unquote new guys and said, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm going to confront this. We've we've made entries. We've served warrants. We've been in gunfights. And I'm not going to be called the new guy anymore. Now, they may whip me. I may have to fight everybody. They may kick me off the team. But they're not going to call me the new guy anymore. And, and, and Bob made a stand and, and had a meeting with the senior guys and said, you know, we've earned the right to be SWAT cops, not the new guys. And that, that's, that story struck me when Bob told it. And not just from the standpoint of the funny way Bob told it, 
But the idea that at what point do you get to look at yourself and admit that you might be adequate? At what point do you get to get rid of the self-doubt? And I'd never even heard this term before. Uh, just a couple of months ago, a guy asked me, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? And I was doing a, a question and answer on a mixed martial arts forum. And, and a guy who's a professional fighter that I have trained with and that we've actually, we went bow fishing together when I was down near the Gulf. This guy writes and says, you know, how do you get past the idea that, that I'm, I'm really not doing what I'm doing? You know, I don't deserve to be in the cage. I don't deserve to be a professional fighter. I don't deserve to have this title. At what point is it okay to say, you know what, I, I'm not the new guy. And I've served a warrant and I've been through doors and I've been in a gunfight and, and you, you can't call me the new guy. I've, I've struggled with that some about being a runner. Now, my wife has a master's degree in kinesiology, and then she would sit down with me and say, now, Jones, you realize there are two kinds of bills. There's a power build and a runner's build. You need to stand in front of the mirror and ask yourself, what do you look like? And she said, now, you can fight your natural build and try to be a runner, but that's going to be a counterintuitive battle. And, and you know, you, it, it's harder work for you to be a runner than it is for you to be a lifter. It's harder work for you to be a runner than for you just to do body weight and push-ups and pull-ups and things because you're naturally built for one of those and the, the others you're not built for. But I started trying to be a runner. I started trying to jog as part of my work as a chaplain with a SWAT team. And I would show up for training and I would jog with those guys and, oh, they run me in the ground. And now I, I do understand that running is, is very mental. And if I knew the route we were going on, I could do fine. But if they made an extra turn and went the opposite direction, it would like crush my spirit. And I finally made a deal back in the early, early 90s that if I stopped running, now I could slow down. I could change my pace. But if I quit running and started walking, the pair of shoes I was wearing, I'd throw away when I got back to the training compound. I just finished the run and, and walk over to the fence and pull those shoes off and over the fence they'd go and I'd have to go to Fleet Feet or wherever and buy another pair of shoes because I was not going to stop running. But I never felt like a runner. And, I, you know, since uh, my last surgery, I've been on a 12-week program to, to try to, to get back in shape and to try to do some things. I've been getting up at five, three days a week and going out and going for a little jog. And I you know, never really considered myself a runner. But I was out there on the running trail and I was going one direction and I ran into a bunch of guys going the other direction and they nodded at me and one guy said, good job. And I didn't know who he was talking to. I mean, what, why, why am I doing a good job? I'm not a runner. What were you doing at 5.30 this morning? Well, I was, I was running. Then I must be a runner. And I didn't say I was a fast runner. I didn't say I was an elite runner. I didn't say I was an accomplished runner. But you know what? I was out there before the sun came up, and I was, I was running. I did the same thing for years as a climber. You know, and, I, and I've been a, a hobbyist climber for, for a long, long time. And you can top rope which is your anchors at the top and you climb from the bottom towards your anchor and it, you don't have a dynamic fall. You can do sport climbing, which is you've got pre-made anchors hammered into the wall and you just clip to those anchors for safety. Or you can do traditional or trad climbing where as you climb, you place your gear into the wall. And I've done all three styles of climbing, but I never considered myself, you know, a climber. I, I, well, I, I never considered myself a good climber.
I remember when Yellow Bluff was opened way, way back in the, the you know, late 80s, early 90s. The guy that owned it had these signs that said, class four, top rope only, no overnight, don't damage the trees, climbing only on weekends. Well, I drove over there and I had to be with somebody because I don't solo climb. But I remember climbing on, on Yellow Bluff, and this is in the days when you could top out. The, the property is now a, a subdivision, and the cliff face is owned by the uh, Southeast Climbers Coalition or the Access Fund, and you're not allowed to get out at the top. You've got to hook your rope into anchors and be lowered down. But in those days, you had access to the top. You parked at the top and walked in, rappelled off, and then did all your climbing. And so I was over there climbing one day, and I topped out on this route, and I mantled over, and when I got on top of the rock, there's this big dude standing there, big red beard, and he had his hands on his hips, and he says, can't you read? I said, yes, sir, I've been literate since about the third grade. <laughs> he said, well, there's a sign that says climbing only on weekends. And I said, well, sir, I, I apologize, but the federal government says this is a three-day weekend. And it was a Monday holiday, and I was over there climbing. And I said, I really didn't think that that what you meant by weekend was Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But the federal government says this is a this is a three day weekend. And he scratched his beard and he said, You know, I never really thought about it myself either. I I, I guess it's okay. You're not really violating the rules. And then he said, And by the way, you don't look like those other climbers. Now, what he meant by that is I was wearing uh, Army surplus camouflage pants and a T-shirt with the sleeves cut out, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't wearing spandex. I, that's an image you don't need to even have in your mind. Now, what I typically heard in those days was, you don't look like a climber. But that's not what he said. He said, you don't look like those other climbers. And I almost corrected him. I said, you know, you're probably right. I don't look like a climber. But I had just climbed a rock and whether I'm good at it or whether I'm as good as those other guys or whether I'll never be on the cover of climbing magazine or in rock and ice for all practical purposes I I am a climber so when do you get to say hey that title doesn't apply to me anymore or that title does apply to me you can't call me the new guy anymore. You can't call me a rookie anymore. You can't say I'm not a climber. You can't say I'm not a runner. Now, I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about this, this hubris and this arrogance and this narcissism that Darth Vader had. But at some point, you do get to say I'm not a student anymore. I'm a teacher. I remember there's a, a phrase in the Bible that talks about Moses. And it says, when he became of age. And I think that, that has nothing to do with his actual chronological age, but his maturity. It said when, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses said, there's a title you can't use on me. You can't call me her son anymore because that's not who I am. Now, I grew up in her house. I grew up in the palace. But I chose to have my identity identified with I'm a, I'm a child of Israel. And Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And at some point, I think it's okay for us to accept the fact that we have been sinners. 
We have been failures. We have at times acted worthless. We have been inadequate and we have been unlovable. But but really, I, I refuse to let that be my title anymore. You can refuse and say, I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to identify. <laughs> we hear a lot of people talk about how they identify. Well, this is, this is a time when you get to say, you know, I'm not going to identify anymore as a sinner or a failure or worthless or inadequate or unlovable. Well, how, how can you justify walking away from that title? How can you justify? Well, God makes all those titles false. God makes all those titles meaningless. You see, God takes people who were sinners and makes us forgiven. God takes our failures and lets us grow past them. God gives us value and worth because He values us. God is sufficient to give us our competency so we don't have to be inadequate. And it doesn't matter who else doesn't love you. The fact that God loves you makes you lovable. Sinner, failure, worthless, inadequate, unlovable. God makes all those titles false and all those titles meaningless. And it really has very little to do with what people call you. But really, it boils down to what do you answer to. Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707, or you can go to three W's and a dot, worldchristian.org, find the Donate Here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting, in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing, and I goof around with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences, and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article, so now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. 
And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts, and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is, for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean fun and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones.